1: Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsay Patterson and Mike Santagata.
2: We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati draft week is finally here and we have a special guest Lindsay Patterson, Mike Santagata, Greg Cosell, Greg, how you doing?
1: Hey, Lindsay, how are you?
2: Not too bad. I'm just ready for the draft to, to finally get here. It's been a long offseason for the Cincinnati Bengals ever since that AFC Championship loss. And uh, we're just ready to talk all things prospects.
1: So you guys are now expecting the Bengals to be in the Super Bowl every year. So when they don't get there, it feels like it's a bad season, right?
2: I mean, it's hard to come off a Super Bowl loss and then be so close again in the AFC right. Championship game. So th- I would say positive vibes in Cincinnati, but everybody's ready to talk football and get into the next season. So I'm actually going to back it up just a little bit and and talk a little Joe Burrow. It's crazy to think that he's going to be going into year four. Um, It feels like just the other day that he was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody knows his rookie year was cut short, go to the Super Bowl the next year, and then the AFC championship game and back-to-back seasons. What did you take from Joe Burrow last season?
1: I mean, I don't think I have anything profound to say that other people haven't. I mean, he's a really good quarterback. Um, I was actually really fascinated to listen to what Carson Palmer said, that he thought he was the best quarterback in football. And I I had known Carson for a long time. So, um, you know, because the way he said it, too, I thought that was really interesting that he he basically said – that he executes the offense the way it's meant to be executed at the highest level, and and, because that's the kind of quarterback Carson Palmer was. So, you know, when he sees someone sort of play the same way in which he played, he really appreciates that. And I think one of the things about Joe Burrow, which is absolutely essential to be a great quarterback in today's NFL, and I don't use the word great loosely, is – to be able to win before the snap of the ball. And I think Burrow is a master at that because obviously that's not going to happen 100% of the time because, you know, the defense is out there. Defensive coaches in this league are really good, but he's so good at understanding what he's seeing, what his keys are, what his indicators are. You know, it's always little things that, you know, no matter how much tape I watch, I don't know how they're coached. So he might just see, you know, the positioning of a linebacker that he's one step to one side, And he and that's different than usual. And he knows that something's up. And, you know, he's so good at those little things. And when you can win a higher percentage of the time before the snap of the ball, you're going to be really successful.
2: We'll stay with the current guys before we get into all things prospects with the NFL draft, just right around the corner, Jamar chase, uh, one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. He actually missed a few games last year, but uh, still a special wide receiver. It's crazy to think for him too. It's year three for Jamar chase. What what are your expectations for him? And, and just some of his thoughts, your thoughts overall.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I remember watching him in his last year playing college ball with Joe Burrow and obviously he didn't play in in 2020 because of the COVID season. But he was one of those special guys that you just knew. You know, when I watched his college tape, I, I kind of knew that this guy was an alpha dog and would be a special NFL wide receiver. And there's nothing that, that's changed my opinion of that. You know, he's a really, really good player. They've got a really good receiving core. I happen to love T. Higgins as well. You know, obviously they have Boyd. I mean, they have everything you want with three wide receivers. Um, you know, Chase and Higgins are somewhat interchangeable. Boyd's predominantly a slot um my guess is they might be looking for a tight end in this draft but um certainly with those three wideouts led by chase although higgins on other teams would probably be a number one so in a sense they have two number one wide receivers
2: we'll move into tight end group right now a little prospect look ahead and um that's been kind of a target in some of the mock drafts you see dalton Kincaid, michael mayer if they fight 20 they could be options for the cincinnati Bengals. what do you think about this tight end prospect class
1: i think it's a good group um you know, they're all a little different. I mean, Kincaid is is a really good receiver. He's almost like a big, wide receiver. Um, he does put effort in blocking. He's he's not great at it, but at least he's committed to doing it. And he did line up at Utah, attached to the formation and in wing alignment. So he was basically an attached player. And, and as I said, they ran the ball, so he was asked to block. But he's more along the lines in terms of deployment within an offense like a Travis Kelsey. And I'm not comparing the players exactly, but just the nature in which he can be used, where you can split him out, you can move him around. He's very athletic. He gives you a vertical dimension from the tight end position. He's got great hands. Um, So he's that kind of receiver. Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer is one of those guys, the player he reminded me of, and, and I'm going back to when this player came out of college because he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I don't want people to think I'm saying he's this guy but he reminded me of Jason Witten coming out of Tennessee because Jason Witten, people might not remember was a third round pick. So it's not as if when he was drafted, people said, Oh yeah, this guy's a hall of famer, you know, but Witten was one of those guys that did everything really well, nothing spectacular, but everything well. And Michael Mayer is that guy. He's not an explosive athlete. Um, you wouldn't say he's dynamic, but he's a good receiver. He's a good blocker. He's just a really good football player. Um, You know, so he's and and then there's many other tight ends in this draft that are really solid. I happen to particularly like Brenton Strange from Penn State, who is a really interesting player. And it's funny, I was watching him and he's a terrific blocker and he moves well. And I said to myself, you know, I'm going to look up George Kittle's measurables from from his uh, combine. And other than the 40 time, which Kittle ran a little faster, their athletic testing measurables, Strange and Kittle's are almost exactly the same.
0: That made me so excited because out of all the tight ends I've watched that are after the first couple, I was like, why isn't this guy higher up on boards? Like he's like fourth round, something around there. So I really like Brenton Strange a lot. Uh, For second round guys, I think the Bengals may have their eye on like a Sam Laporta. Just he he fits a lot of what they seem to like at the position. Could you talk about him a little bit?
1: Yeah, Sam Laporta is, you know, Iowa, as everybody knows, puts out tight ends. He's the next guy. I don't think he's at the level of Kittle or Hawkinson um, overall, but Laporta is a really good prospect. Um, You know, he's a very compact guy. He's 6'3, 245, runs well. He's a smooth, fluid athlete. He needs to clean up drops. He had too many drops, uh, particularly in 2022. Um, but he's a really good blocker. And obviously at Iowa, you must be committed to blocking. That's the way they play. Um, He was a strong run blocker, both attached and detached from the formation at times in the backfield, believe it or not. Um, There were other times he was split outside and actually looked like a big wide receiver with the way he moved. Um, He's got really good balance, really good body control. He's really good transitioning from receiver to run after catch when he catches the ball. So I think Laporta um is a really good prospect i think he was just hurt initially by the fact that he's he's not hawkinson or Kittle, and therefore people didn't talk about him a lot but it wouldn't surprise me if he's a day two pick
0: well the other one that fits around there's there's two more i think luke musgrave could fall with the injury history but also tucker craft seems to have a little bit of steam as a late second so do you have any thoughts on those two players as well
1: oh yeah I've, i've seen both of them um Tucker craft. I, I thought he was a pretty complete prospect. I really liked him. Um, it's got a really desirable combination of athleticism and receiving traits and competitiveness and execution as a run blocker. He worked at it. Um, you know, sometimes people knock players down because of the level of competition. Obviously he was in the FCS. Um, but I think his tape both in 21 and 22, which I watched showed a high level prospect. Um, you know he's not exactly Dallas Goddard, who came from the same school, South Dakota State. Goddard's a little more athletic than Kraft, but Kraft is a higher level tight end prospect. And um, you know I, it would not surprise me if he was a top fifty pick. I really, I really liked his traits. Um, Luke Musgrave is a really uh, another interesting guy. Only played two games this year, so I went back and looked at his tape from 2021. Um, now he is a smooth moving athlete. You know, he's he's one of those guys that is a true vertical dimension as a receiver. Um, but he's also got a lot of experience as a blocker, because if you're familiar at all with Oregon State, they're kind of old school. They're they're different from most college teams. They line up with a the fullback. They they're in the I formation. They ask their tight ends to block on the line of scrimmage. Um, but this guy is a really smooth athlete. Uh, when he releases off the line of scrimmage, he gets into his routes really quickly. Um when he has free release when he's not disrupted i mean he builds up speed really quickly so he's another guy that's a three level dimension he can run vertical routes
2: we'll move to the running back room uh that's been really the topic of conversation for a lot of bengals fans when they moved on from samaj P ryan they have joe mixon right now as one of their running backs but they are looking to complement joe mixon in this draft Bijan Robinson probably won't be there at 20. No, he won't be there. <laughs> uh, you, you get Jameer Gibbs is also an option, but some feel like, hey, if you take him at 28, that's a little bit early for Gibbs. And he's more of an early second round pick. Who do you feel compliments this Bengals offense better? And if there's someone I'm not mentioning in the running back room, um, who's, who's going to be that addition on well, day one or two?
1: I think that depends on where they see themselves drafting a running back. Th- this is a very good running back class, but as we all know, running backs now are not drafted high unless they're really viewed as special. So there's going to be running backs available in the third round and the fourth round that are very good players, like Tank Bigsby from Auburn, who happens to be a really good running back, and he's an attitude back. So, in other words, by that I mean he's a hard inside runner, he gets hard earned yards. And I always feel like an offense like the Bengals, which is ultimately built on Burrow in the passing game. There's always times in every game when you need to run the ball and they don't need the running game to provide ADR touchdowns as much as everybody might like that. They need it to be a sustaining element when they get ahead because they can score. They need the run game to be a factor to, you know, control the clock, stay on schedule. You know, someone like tank Bigsby is, is, is a really good back for that. Um, there's another back out of Oklahoma who I like a lot, named Eric Gray. Um, you know, he was a transfer from Tennessee. He's another back that will definitely play in the league. He's a different kind of back than Bigsby, but he also has sustaining traits. So, you know, those are just two backs. There's probably many, many more um, because, like I said, this is a really good running back class. There's there's Dwayne McBride from I believe FAU. You know, there's a it's a really good class.
0: Yeah, uh, switching gears once again, it seems like a lot of Bengals insiders have started to make Emmanuel Forbes
1: their prediction for pick 28. Do you have any thoughts on him? Emmanuel Forbes is an outlier, and you have to be comfortable with that because he weighs 166 pounds. So you have to feel comfortable with the fact that a corner is 166 pounds and can match up to wide receivers in this league. Um Now, he's a really good prospect, played a ton of off coverage, but he's more than capable of playing press man. Um, But you have to decide is his length and he has phenomenal length. He's 6'1". Is his length and higher level athleticism because he runs really well and he's really savvy in both man and zone coverage. Is all of that enough to compensate for his frame? That's the decision you have to make as an organization. My guess is different organizations will come to different conclusions because it's very rare that you find six one corners in the NFL who weigh 166 pounds.
0: Yeah, that is uh, the. So I keep thinking he's like the size of an accountant, but a great football <laughs> player. Um, the only other one I wanted to bring up was another corner, but I don't think Bengals fans have talked enough about the possibility of Keely Ringo at 28 because they had a defensive back coach at his pro day that it seems like they're putting a lot of work on him. Do you have any thoughts on Ringo?
1: Yeah. And I can only tell you what I think. And and I did not love his tape. So uh, again, that doesn't mean I'm right and, and others are wrong, the, you know, but um, he's going to get drafted reasonably high because he's six almost 210 pounds. He ran a four three six forty. 40, you know, so he's got size and speed. And that gets people excited right away. Um, He's most comfortable playing press coverage, um, and there's two kinds of press coverage, what we call mirror match, where you let the receiver release and then you match him. And then, of course, there's physical press where you get your hands on him on his release. Um, Ringo has significant issues when he plays off coverage. Uh, Think of it this way. If a receiver runs a route, an intermediate route, let's say a, a comeback or a curl route. One thing that corners have to do is they have to be able to stop. And he doesn't stop very well. Um, And I think also in zone coverage, he has poor eyes. I don't think he plays with the the correct discipline with his eyes. So I did not love Ringo's tape. Uh, But again, because of his measurables uh, and the fact that he played at Georgia, that's why he plays at Georgia, because he came out of high school as the number one corner prospect in the country, and he has phenomenal measurables. So that's why he's at Georgia. Uh, someone's going to like him and feel that they can turn him into a really good player because there's not a lot of guys with his size, physical traits, and athletic testing measurables.
2: NFL Draft is right around the corner. Greg Cosell, first time on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here
0: and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
1: It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey
2: Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Thank you so much to Greg Costello for joining us, talking a little prospects. Joe Burrow. Speaking of Joe Burrow, right before we recorded this, uh, Ian Rappaport said that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to pick up a fifth-year option. That is probably the easiest decision the front office has ever made, and. I know fans are kind of questioning, what does that mean? Or the talks with the contract, is it not going well? I I just think that's the first step. It was an easy one for the Cincinnati Bengals to pull the fifth-year option. But any thoughts on that decision?
0: No, I mean, the Bengals are going to pick that up, even if you got extended, right? You pick it up and then you add that money. And then that's some of the money that you're doing for the extension, uh, because it's a lower cap hit this year than it probably would be if you didn't do that. So this is just business as usual.
2: Business as usual, and we'll uh, get back to Joe Burrow contract T against contract extension watch next week because everything is NFL draft right now a couple days away. By the time you're listening to this, we'll be about 24, 28 hours probably away. It'll be the day before the NFL draft. To be determined on who the Cincinnati Bengals are going to pick, we're going to have a little mock round in our third segment, but we'll stay with running backs because why not? It's the topic of conversation this offseason, and Brian Callahan, he was over on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Jake Go and james repeat really, friends of the show really good interview and a great podcast i'm sure all Bengals fans are listening to it but i actually always enjoy listening to Brad callahan on with james and and uh jake because he's really honest in his interviews and too honest a lot of people were like Can you <laughs> just say that oh it sounds like he doesn't you know they're not like,
0: it happens in season two right like i can't remember what it was uh I think it was something that like they had a bad offensive game and he's just like, yeah, man, I I called some bad plays. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I I didn't call the right plays and whatever else. I was just like, man, usually they just kind of go like, we didn't execute. (laughs) He's like, no, more than that.
2: Yeah, no, and I, I can appreciate it with how honest he is to the media, but just a great interview. I highly recommend going and, and listening to that before you get to uh, draft night, but he did mention the running back, and it was in the discussion of complimenting Joe Mixon and, and who would be that best guy, maybe day one, day two. Uh, what did you think about what he had to say and, and where they're at right now? It really starts to feel like it's it's going to be a day two option for them right now.
0: Yeah, I keep thinking Gibbs is in the running um, and that that I think he could compliment Joe Mixon. They they still wouldn't have a pass protector, really, unless they think one of those two can do it. But it would compliment because he said compliment Mixon as a runner. I know there's been a lot of hype about Mixon as a receiver because he did a ton of good volume last year. And I thought he was legitimate. And he is a legitimately good receiver. But what he said on – locked on Bengals show was basically we're looking for a guy that can come in and compliment Joe Mixon, which says two things, right? One, Joe Mixon is most likely going to be on the team for this year. So we could stop the cutting talk. Uh, but two is that they're probably not interested in a lot of guys that are great runners, And and I don't mean that that would exclude somebody if you are a great, like if Bijan somehow fell, like that's still probably heavily in consideration. Uh, But it to me meant they might value receiving and blocking a little bit more than they would have if he didn't say it. It, it, I, at least in my thoughts, if he didn't say this, I wouldn't have thought like that's really being valued that high. Like maybe you just get a guy and that's your Joe Mixon replacement, but didn't sound like they were like, they said, He said that we're looking for a guy that can be like Joe Mixon. He's they said compliment him, so that knocks off in my mind. It knocks off a few guys. Maybe you think well, it knocks Zach Evans off, even though they've had contact with him, because he's one of the worst passing downs backs I've watched, in my opinion. I I don't know, man. He, He just the pass protection isn't there, and then he dropped four passes on 11 targets he's not used for a reason. But it moves up a guy, which I already thought they were interested in this guy, and this is who I had going in the third round in my predictive mock, we'll get there later. <laughs> Roshan Johnson, whose NFL comp for me is Samaje Pirine, <laughs> because high-level pass protector, can catch the ball a little bit, big, strong, it could churn out some yards. That's That sounds like what they want, right? If, if they think that Samaje was a good compliment for Joe, which they tried to sign him again, mm-hmm then why not draft a younger, cheaper variation of the same player?
2: No, I, I like that. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll get a lot of answers, but I agree with you. It really sounds like Joe Mixon is going to be in this running back room come September. And we've talked about it plenty on this podcast that that's fine honestly i'm okay with it you do need another running back sorry travion williams i don't think he is rb2 and and brian callahan was really honest in his interview about finding that running back that that complements joe mixon so i i think it for me personally it just feels like a day two situation look at 28 if they decide look gibbs is here and our tied in or cornerback target are long gone so maybe they go this route because i think a lot of people they get nervous about the running back in the first round not Bijan, but but more of gibbs it's like oh he's kind of a second round day two guy well the next time they're picking is in the 60s so you got to get him now or, or he's going to be gone and you are picking towards the second round. So I don't really think it's too much of a stretch for the Cincinnati Bengals to take him. I know Peter King did make his mock draft on Monday and Peter King is one of my favorite NFL writers. He has Luke Musgrave coming to Cincinnati at 28. Gibbs- was- the
0: People were mad.
2: People were mad. and I, And I brought it up to you. Would you take Luke or Gibbs? I know two totally different position groups, but at that option, if both are available, And who did you say?
0: I said Luke Musgrave. And now I think these are the same tier of player. And I'm not even a huge proponent of, well, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me talk about how Bijan would be a slam dunk pick at 28. I'm not fully running back as devalued, never take a running back in the first round. But if I have a guy in the same stratosphere as Gibbs then why would I take him? And for me, and I know this is a little bit higher on Luke Musgrave than at least Bengals fans seem to be, they're in the same stratosphere. Uh, they both have some issues. I think Luke Musgrave is tricky to project. He played two games this year, but uh, he, he's fully recovered. He dominated the senior bowl. He dominated the combine. He worked, did all everything at his pro day, including the agilities he didn't do at his combine to complete the profile. He's doing everything. He's basically smashing the draft process other than putting stuff on film. And the two games he did have this year, fantastic stuff. It it was, he was on pace for, I believe, if he only played 10 games, which they play more than 10 games in college, but let's just say he only played 10 games because he got injured. Obviously he did, but on pace for like 850 yards in 10 games. That that's nice. (laughs) That's uh, that would be up there with the best tight ends uh, in the entire draft pool the this entire class so i do think there's a lot of reasons you should be high on him i think he he came in at like 6'6, 250 and i think there's room to grow a little bit into that frame more which you can't say about maybe a sam laporta who's only six two or dalton Kincaid's like 24 and can he grow anymore uh, i don't know but luke musgrave i think you can And listening to the athletic football show, everybody's a friend of the show. We're all friends. friends. Yeah. But Nate Tye's friend of the show said, (laughs) uh, one, that he had Luke Musgrave as his third tight end, but two, he talked to the Oregon state, one of their coaches, because he knew him from when he played at Wisconsin. And basically that coach said, Yeah, he could play in line, we think. We didn't put him there all the time because of how important the F position was for us, but we think he could have played there. And I think that too, whenever I watch it, like he's not the best blocker, but I think he can grow a little bit, and I think he can grow as a blocker a little bit. So that is a long pitch to sell you a little bit on Luke Musgrave. I'll end it with, uh, I guess, a little bit of a heater. He's the best vertical threat in the class, and he's the fastest tight end in the class. I know uh, Zach Koontz has the 10 RAS score. There's a reason he's going in like the fourth round, guys. It's maybe the third. But uh, Luke Musker is going higher because he's a better vertical threat. I think Dalton Kincaid has a bigger catch radius. Michael Mayer is a do-it-all guy. We know my thoughts on Darnell Washington being a great blocker. But if you want a guy that can really stress defenses vertically and you dream about those – 30-yard bombs, 40-yard bombs to tight ends. That's Luke Musgrave. That's that's more than Dalton Kincaid.
2: Maybe it's smokescreen. But for me personally, listening to Duke, he's not going to say a whole lot. Zach Taylor, we've heard from him the last couple of weeks, and then we heard from him again on Monday, a little draft preview of position groups. Brian Callahan, it just feels like tight end. There is a possibility, and look, I might be going out on a limb here because I went from needing a tight end at 28 to saying, eh, maybe you don't go tight end this year. It feels like tight end going to be late in the draft. It really does. And I could be wrong and Michael Mayer could be the option or Dalton Kincaid if he is there. I know a lot of people are high on Dalton Kincaid, but it feels like he's going to be gone in the top 20. Um, Michael Mayer to the Cowboys really seems to be uh, going right now.
0: I heard that was his floor, not just that's where he's going, that 26 is the last spot he can go. Although I heard about Bijan too. What if Mayer and Bijan are both on the board? Who do they go with?
2: Well, they would go Mayer. (laughs) They would go Mayer, right?
0: Yeah. You think so? No, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I'd go Bijan.
2: Well, I'm a, I'm a B, you you made me a Bijan person on this podcast. Yeah,
0: and now he's now he's never in the conversation anymore. Well you
2: you liked him and talked about him before the hype was real in the national media. Because- <laughs> well it
0: always should have been. <laughs> it was just like value of a running back because the way they drive it down. It's like, hey, this guy's almost perfect. Yeah, but
2: running back. Well, here's the
0: He's thing. He's a running back.
2: Well, I told it's you like, before, Jay Morrison, a friend of the show. Um, he <laughs> said he said on his podcast he was talking about the the picks from the last like 20 years at 28, and none of them were all pros. They never really turned out. And I was like, hmm, hmm maybe I want the Cincinnati Bengals to go to to maybe. Go backwards, go 29 and 30, or maybe they move up a couple spots. Uh, I don't want them picking at 28 just because of past history. But yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards they don't go tight in early in this draft. And it feels defensive heavy. And I know we're going to get to the mock and the tears and all of that in our next segment, but it just, I don't know, just listening to some of the interviews, it could be smoke screen. We're going to hear from a lot of sources, reports from office members of all of the teams, and they're going to say certain things leading up to the draft and feel different. I mean, you could say the same thing about the quarterback situation and who's going to take what quarterback CJ Stroud is moving up and down. Some days he's top five and then the other days he's not. Um, it, it's really just going to be wait until you get to Thursday and we'll find out what all these uh, front offices are thinking, but maybe I'm overthinking it. It just kind of feels like they're, they're moving out of that position group and it's not something that they really utilize a lot with this offense,
0: man. I disagree, yeah. but I don't think it's in round one. I, I, I just think Mare and Kincaid are both gone and they don't, they're not good. I don't think they're good. I don't think they're in on Washington at 28 and I don't think that they're in on Musgrave at 28. So that kind of kills the position. I know some people floated the Sam Laporta at 28 idea, and that feels like a a, a reach. (laughs) We'll just say that much, Uh, where a lot of, you know, there's a lot of predictions of him going at like 60. And uh, so I think it'll happen on day two. But we'll see who's right. You listen to all those things much more than me. And I've not done a great job of listening to Press conferences and stuff. So I believe that you are able to read those tea leaves. I just didn't hear them myself. So I think that they go tight end round two.
2: I say that, and then they'll go tight end at twenty eight. So we'll we'll see what happens. But it really, for me personally, it just kind of feels cornerback. But we've said it plenty of times. It's not breaking news. They're going to go best player available. Um, they have the luxury of doing that. If a wide receiver they felt, which I don't think. A, there's this wide receiver group. We've mentioned it before. It's not the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase type of wide receiver in the first round would be pretty easy. And they'd go in the top 10, top five. Uh, but if somebody that they liked in the wide receiver room dropped early in first or second round, I could see them going wide receiver. Um, you know, it, it's a smart decision if it, if it goes with this offense and maybe it's the future of the slot receiver and Tyler Boyd's replacement. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. It's kind of nice to watch an NFL draft where they don't have a lot of needs. Look, they need depth in some positions. Um, I'm kind of more on the go cornerback route because I do think of late in the season, those stretch runs, who's going to help this team in the playoffs? Who's going to help this team in December when you start to battle injuries? Um, that's kind of the biggest key in, in the secondary. So I'm still going, I'm still going cornerback right now, but could be wrong.
0: Uh, I think you're right on that, and I am a little bit surprised if that thing was true about the Vegas odds for the Bengals pick where – There wasn't a single corner listed. I was like, take the field, take the field. No, no, no. no. (laughs) Plus 350 for the field, take it, slam it.
2: (laughs) And and I, because I I know we heard Greg Cosell actually talk about Emmanuel Forbes. Um, I was told by an NFL insider, he's not from Cincinnati. He sent me a DM and he said, hey, I want to let you know, Emmanuel Forbes, the Bengals have a very high grade on Emmanuel Forbes. That isn't breaking news either. Because when Dave Lapham starts talking about the prospect, you know he's an insider. He knows what's going on with the Bengals' front office. And Forbes is really high on his list. And, and I just don't think Forbes is going to be there. I think Forbes is going to go to the Ravens.
0: Ooh. They need a Marcus Peters replacement.
2: Yep. He feels the same
0: style of player.
2: An AFC North team, he'll get picked up right before Cincinnati picks. It'll be in the 20s.
0: And I would say throw a screen at Jamar Chase the entire game. It's just like, let's see if the 160 pound guy can tackle the 200 pound bull. Well, <laughs> uh, but- I could be wrong. I mean, like, maybe you try it once and it gets picked off or something. You're like, well, we're not doing that one again.
2: Never
0: <laughs> Probably don't want to put too many of the same plays on on, on the on film uh, in a row against him. He is the type that uh, great great recognition and you know, like, oh, you're running this again. Uh, I'm going to jump that.
2: Never forget. So maybe
0: maybe first play of the game. Maybe just first play of the game. Just toss it out there. Let's just see if he can tackle him. That's what I would do. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I, he's just 160 pounds. I just. I can't get it. It feels like if you took a an average fan and were like, "All right," but you gave him super athleticism and ball skills and all this other stuff, but just the size of an average fan, like you know those brain swap movies. No. <laughs> you know, like uh, okay, well maybe listeners know, but um, uh, uh, the there was one with Lindsay Lohan and um, oh, I can't remember the name. I'm sorry. Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. Thank you. It was a. it was, Forbes to me feels a little bit like Freaky Friday with a fan <laughs> where it's like a supreme athlete in the fan's body <laughs> trying to make it happen. I'm like, well, oh, let's see if we can tackle. I don't know. If,
2: if they draft Emmanuel Forbes. And he gets an interception or a pick six. I will only use Freaky Friday gifts. Freaky Friday. <laughs> and only listeners of I like how quick
0: it went from you know those brain switching movies. You're like, like no, I don't know I what you're no talking idea. about. The one with Lindsay Lohan, Freaky Friday. <laughs>
2: but I'm, nobody will understand it. They'll be like, what does this even have to do with Emmanuel <laughs> Forbes? And they're all using those Forbes list nicknames. No, 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 no. We will go Freaky, Freaky Friday. Friday if Emmanuel Forbes is there, but the hype feels real, but we don't know a thing. We won't know a thing until draft night. It should be really exciting. But when we get to the tour, the tiers and, and the final mock before Thursday night's NFL draft, when the Cincinnati Bengals will pick 28 next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.
0: Is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati
1: with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
2: We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are going to go to the tiers, the mock, the final one. Bengals underscore Sands, Mike Santagata. Go ahead and tell us your tier group for Thursday night and Friday and Saturday.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, I'm just going to go pick here. My prediction is still Emmanuel Forbes. I mean, there is just Lapham saying it. you know, all these guys are saying, it. Every, every insider seems to be saying it's Forbes. And the only reason it won't be Forbes is if he's not there. So I don't know if Forbes is taken before they pick, just because I feel like a lot of teams are going to have issue with the size. It is kind of a divisive thing. Maybe some teams like it appears the Bengals and – Others are fine with it, but I could also just see it knocking him down a little bit just because it's a it's a big question mark. Um, I think he's a good player. I think it would be a good pick. It's probably going to be near BPA. Maybe not for me, but I could easily see why it is. Uh, I also think just a few other guys, the two Clemson guys, Miles Murphy and Brian Brissy, I think they are both definitely in the running. Especially if Murphy falls, he just fits Bengals edge rusher to a T. Brzezey, he fits a lot of what they like as well. Uh, I gotta just throw Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid on there as well, even though I think they're gone. If they are there, I think they'll consider it. And then I listed Jameer Gibbs as an honorable mention because I think he is the everybody we like is gone. Let's just let's go get the playmaker. Um, Keely Ringo got mentioned by Dan Horde, I believe, on the same. Show with Lapham. So that's why I would also throw him into that mix as well. But I think those are the seven names that I think the Bengals are looking at for the. Pick
2: twenty-eight. Yeah, and I, I think any of those names it, it wouldn't come as a surprise for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, when talking about the defensive line, and it was brought up to Duke, and he's like, "Oh, I I didn't realize it's been twenty plus years since we've gone a uh, defensive line when it comes to to the first round pick." And I think if that best player is available, they'll they'll go that route because the way it feels right now, as we get closer the top guys who we're hearing on their board or position group, they're going to be gone. So maybe they do go that route. They go defensive line, or maybe they decide, you know what? Jameer Gibbs is the guy. He's going to be the one. We take at 28. We need another running back. He's going to complement this offense. And I still feel like that. I just, I, I don't get the criticism. You can tell me if I'm wrong in the whole argument of the position group. It's like, oh, you you can't overvalue the running back. I hear obviously don't pay the running back. I'm totally fine with that. Um, if you don't, you, you let them play out the rookie deal and you're like, okay, that was enough for that one. We're going to move on to the next one. But overall, I feel like it would be a good decision if they do go Gibbs and they say, you know what, he's not going to be there later. And we don't like the second round running backs right now.
0: It's probably because you think you can create the Kamara Ingram type backfield or uh Spiller Jackson. Just, you know, we've got our bruiser, our big between the tackles runner. And let's just let's just throw this guy in there, Pollard Zeke, another one. But it's a tested formula that works. So when you think about guys that compliment Mixon, nobody would probably compliment him more than Jameer Gibbs. And uh I think if he's there, they'll think about that quite a bit. But um yeah, I think the idea is just you want to value your premium positions a little bit more than you value the running back position. I, to me that I'm not bought in fully. What I think is just, it's how I would break guys in the same tier is I'm not going to draft Jameer Gibbs ahead of this guy. If I have him in the same tier because the position this guy plays is more valuable. If I think they're both going to be plus starters, maybe even pro bowl potential, then why wouldn't I take the defensive end rather than the running back? So that, that is where I think I am on it, but there, the movement is strong. A lot of people think you can just always draft a seventh round running back and live off of that.
2: Yeah. Oh man. The Kansas city chiefs They've been used as a rule, like a comparison, a
0: ruined discourse.
2: It's like the running back room, what they did in the secondary. You need, you know, you need to hit on all your, your picks in the draft because look what the Kansas city chiefs just did and credit to them in their front office. But at the same time, it, it doesn't work out like that always. And you can't just bank on getting a running back in the sixth, seventh, or even the fifth round and say, you know what? He's going to be great for this offense. I'm so glad they avoided getting the running back early in this draft. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like the Gibbs hype is, is definitely there and it wouldn't be a surprise if they decide if they want to stay at 28 or maybe they have a discussion with the Saints. I don't know if they're talking to the Kansas City Chiefs and they're on that level Uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs is trying to get the Cincinnati Bengals uh, another pick or anything like that. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe they move down. Uh, We'll see what happens. I don't think. Do you think they'll move up? No. Yeah.
0: Just history tells us they don't.
2: Yeah. And they're
0: far enough down. Like, who are you moving up for? Like, I think I saw a mock that had Bijan fall at 25 and they moved up to get him. And man, I just, I don't really see it. I don't mm-hmm. think that'd be fine, but you can't move up to like 20 because it costs you basically your second round pick. Even if a guy you love is falling that far, Darnell Wright falls that far and you're just, man, we would love to have him. But We need to hit on multiple draft picks. We can't just get this guy. So we need to just keep moving down the board. Um, yeah. I think trade down is possibility. It's just everybody says this is such a weak class. Who's trading up and for what? Uh that is where that's what I get stuck on with that.
2: I'm gonna stay with Gibbs. I'm gonna stay with Gibbs. I'm gonna bring up this scenario. What do you think of this is probably going to be terrifying for Bengals fans. They're like, no, 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 we, we, you don't want Jameer Gibbs at 28. But the Kansas City Chiefs say, we do.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, well, fine. <laughs> if, if you're not as high on Gibbs or you think you've got – they're what, pick 31? So if you have – you know they're taking Gibbs, then 29 and 30, you have three more guys in the same bucket. Do it. That just – if you think that whoever, you know, it's Gibbs, Murphy, Brissy, and I, I don't know. Uh, could be Ringo. This sounds terrible for Bengals. I know, I know they don't like Ringo. Uh, they don't like Brissy. <laughs> so, but if you have all those guys and then, you know, like, well, shoot, I mean, we got four guys in this bucket. So, yeah, we'll move down. We'll select whoever falls. Um uh, and Bengals fans might not love that. Let's move round two yes. real quick. Sorry, Bengals fans. But I mean real quick because we talked to Greg about in the first segment. Uh, I predicted Sam Laporta there. And one of the main reasons is he w- could have come out his junior year, but he went back his senior season just so he could be named a captain. If anything screams Bengals draft target, it is that statement right there. So I think Sam Laporta, if he falls that far, only – I think a 48% chance according to ESPN of him being available at pick 60. I think, I think they are, they are running to the podium with it.
2: Is he, he was the senior bowl guy, right?
0: A senior bowl. I'm not a hundred percent.
2: sure. I was about to say if he had a good senior bowl, that's another thing for them. (laughs) Senior bowl captain. (laughs) Yep.
0: Yep. They love the senior bowl too. Uh, But yeah, that's why I think actually that Luke Musgrave could be in the running is because I think he did have a strong senior bowl. Uh, Laporta, captain. Those are both in the running for pick 60. I think Tucker Craft is in there too, South Dakota State guy. Where are you? I've got a few other guys I, Isaiah Fosky, Tulitu Apoloto, Keanu Benton. Where are you though on the most interesting guy I think at 60 if he's there is Dewan Jones?
2: 100%. Sign me up. But
0: I know. I, I'm there, but at the same time, right? Like he.
2: I don't think he has not there.
0: smashed the draft process. You don't think they're no. there at sixty? Go back. And I've thought that too. I've thought the exact same thing. Is just I think they could pass on Dewan Jones at sixty. Yeah. And if you had asked me a week ago, I would said no. They, you know they're happy about it. I think that he is just for whatever reason, like he's he went to the senior bowl one day and then left and didn't tell anybody. He didn't work out at Ohio state's pro day. It it just seems like there's a lot of red flags coming up. He didn't work out fully at the combine. He ran the 40 and that was about it. So all of those red flags and you could see them go. Elsewhere with that pick, even if he's there, I,
2: I think the the I hate to spring up I hate this part about prospects and draft when you bring up like work ethic or, or things. I, I hate that. I hate that conversation because it's like, well, you know, we don't know everything. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think the weight is something that could be a concern for the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: Oh, yeah, I've heard that, too. They did that uh, a few years ago with Tyler Shelvin. and it didn't work out. Anyway, we'll move on quickly. Uh, I did also mention Zach Charbonnet there, but I do I am falling more out of that pick, even though I th- I really thought that was the pick like a few weeks ago. But a different running back round three, I think they go Roshan Johnson. I I think they're going to love that guy. It's just we've talked about him a bit already. It's just he sixty two percent chance of being available according to ESPN. I think he complements Mixon really well. I think coaches will like him a lot more than. Twitter, fans, etc. he just does everything right. I think they're going to love that. So I, I like that in round three. Some other guys just to think about. Zach Harrison, local Ohio State guy, uh, more of an idea than a fully realized product. Isaiah McGuire, I think, is actually the opposite. He's kind of fully realized, and he's going to be a fine edge defender. I think starting edge defender, but I don't know what the potential is. gervon Dexter was a five-star recruit for Florida, didn't live up to it, but – he wasn't bad either. He was still pretty good. Uh, my guy, Jonathan Mingo, this is the earliest I have a receiver, even though I could see it happen earlier. I think this is the earliest likely. I think they're looking three through five is my guess for where they want a receiver. Tajay Spears, another guy that could complement Mixon well, and then just, they could still go corner here. They could go corner in round two. If they don't get Forbes or whoever else in round one, they could go corner round two. They could go corner round three. I think they're looking at early corner. I think they're looking at About a round three running back, and I think they look. I think, well, you disagree. I think they're looking two, three, four tight end as well, but I do know you disagree on that. And we will see who's right because this draft is very unpredictable. Drafts in general, very unpredictable when you're picking at 28, and then beyond that, it's terrible. It's hard to figure that out, but yeah, I think Roshan Johnson. He's my favorite for what they do in round three and for a running back in general right now.
2: Yeah, I I feel like you're hitting first, second, and third. We are going to wrap up because we're going a little bit longer on our two days before NFL draft. This will be released on Wednesday morning. So it'll be a day before. How are you feeling about the fourth round?
0: Uh, It's hard, and I actually ended up reaching a tiny bit for what I think fans think, and I went Andrea Iosivas. Oh God, I hope I said that right. Wireless he from Princeton. Uh, they met with him over two days and they met with him virtually. I think there's some high interest in him. 61% chance of being available at pick 131, which I think if you ask a general person who he is, they probably wouldn't know. But if they did even know, they're probably thinking, because this is what I thought going in, fifth round. But if he's only about a 60% chance of being available in the fourth round, I think that's where you have to take him. And he mentioned on a podcast that his agent told him round three to round four. It kind of makes sense. He's, he's the, he looks the part, six foot plus 200 pounds plus, and he's very athletic. I, I don't think he ended up being the most athletic. And I think that's why sometimes you see the same names over and over again. Like, uh Bryce Ford Wheaton but he ended up being very very athletic and and look they're not afraid of the small school fourth round pick Cordell Volson last year Princeton this year who knows maybe uh but that is that's what I think in round four but like you said low on time was your quick thought on (laughs) Yosivas
2: I agree. I actually saw the the video interview with I want to say it was Ross, okay, Ross yeah. Tucker's uh, podcast. Tucker. Really, really good uh, little NFL broadcaster, and it really felt like when he said it met with the Bengals for two days. The other ones were pretty quick visits, one day visits with with other teams,
0: local and, visits. Yeah, yep.
2: and it just feels like I agree with you. Uh, it, it could be one of those mid round for mid round wide receivers. It. it feels right. It's from like past history. You look at the third, fourth, or maybe even the fifth round for them, uh, because you do have to think about replacements more than likely for Tyler Boyd. And hey, if you can add another playmaker in in his rookie year, get another guy out there, kick returner, punt returner um on this offense or special teams going into next season uh you got to do it so it feels like wide receiver for them but now I I like I said before I wouldn't be surprised if wide receiver was in the second round if a guy happened to fall and they were like we have a high grade on him he's not going to be available when we pick in the third round we've got to take him now uh but but when you look at the back half of the draft will this team draft a punter
0: Man, I hope so. I think so. If they don't – the thing is they only have seven picks. If they trade down, I'd feel more confident saying, yes, they're drafting a punter. Just like when they took McPherson, it was after a trade down in the second round and to pick up an extra pick. Um, My guys, Michael Turk. If you follow me on Twitter, you know this. (laughs) But um, he's just – I know he's 25, but – he he hit an eighty-plus yard punt this. I think it was this year or last year. He averages over four seconds of hang time. His twenty twenty-one was insane. I think it was like he was by far the best yards net yards per attempt and hang time. Look, if I am gonna draft a punter, why wouldn't I draft the guy that could intimidate people walking off of the bus? This is a guy that did. 25 reps of 225 at the combine ran a 48340. Six foot 234 what punters have these dimensions he is a buff punter like that is so cool <laughs> look he might punt a ball and make the stop within 10 yards and i'd love to see that
2: i have three words for you eight a- well yeah it'll make sense afc championship game Go ahead, get yeah. your punter. You need a punter. It's a that is that's if you were looking at a need right now, that is a need for the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. and it's extremely important to get that. And I and I know there's only seven picks in this draft, so maybe they decide, you know, what as soon as the draft's over, we're going to be on the phone, we're going to get a guy who didn't go drafted. Uh, but for me personally, I I think it's going to be a seventh round for them. But also, if they feel like he's not going to be there in the seventh round, I wouldn't be surprised have at
0: him six. I don't think it'll happen in five, but it could happen in six. When you're talking about this, I mean, their six-round pick, whenever you bucket these things, however you want to do it, their first-round pick is outside the top 20. Their second-round pick is outside the top 50. Third-round pick is inside the top 100, and the fourth-round pick is inside the top 150. But then fifth-round pick, outside the top 150, inside the top 200. hundred. Sixth round pick, outside the top 200. If you're going to think about just not – rounds so much as you know there's been 200 guys that have gone by the time you're picking the sixth round uh it easily makes sense your sixth round pick is essentially a seventh round pick and your seventh round pick is basically your favorite udfa
2: i love it i love it to be determined we're gonna find out soon i can't wait we're actually gonna have a pod on thursday night it'll be a quick reaction to who the Bengals select at 28 if they stay at 28 but i know you've been busy on all Bengals. what's up there right now
0: what we just talked about, Great. the predictive mock draft.
2: If you want it in writing and, <laughs> and uh, you can do it over and over again, go there.
0: <laughs> uh, we didn't hit the fifth and sixth round picks, so those are the surprise. <laughs> the very Sorry. exciting Nose yeah, Tackle okay. Center surprise.
2: <laughs> Make sure you go click uh, All Bengals. You can follow them, Bengals underscore Sand. Plenty of content breakdown videos of these prospects before you get to draft night. Thank you for listening, to It's always game day in Cincinnati.